Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the first podcast show of Pulp Hockey dot com uh show, podcast show with ray ferraro that's right ray ferraro doing a podcast this year i'm steve mathis the host i'm the guy that's going to be asking ray most of the questions uh i do love the toronto maple leafs i am a little bit biased towards the toronto maple leafs but we're going to do a show all year weekly touch on a lot of things on the nhl not just toronto and uh go in and on and, and about uh, everything and nobody better to do it with than a guy who played uh 18 years in the nhl all-star Florida goal scorer now the voice of the lead analyst on TSN and uh, does some work for NBC Sports as well. Ray Ferraro, what's up, Ray? Uh, not much. Just uh, just actually getting ready to get going. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of a almost like a school teacher's season we have. Mm-hmm. You know, once once the season's over, there's you know it's our vacation time. We take take some time off and um, uh, enjoy the summer. Although this summer kind of sucked for me because I had knee surgery and again. And um, so I'm, you know, couldn't play golf, couldn't kind of do what I'd like to do. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, we had an awesome summer, and it's now, you know, we're a week away from training camps, and and that's when when we hit the ground and we're going full bore. When do you get your schedule of games where they're like, hey, here's what you're going to be all year? Um, I got it uh, late, early, early, well, late August, I oh, guess. Okay. I all got right. the first draft, and then um, you go back and forth because. The the way it works is the the national partners, which are uh, for the league, which are Rogers in Canada and uh, NBC in the states. They they get their games first. They select their games, right. and then all the regional broadcasters try to figure out what's left. You know mm-hmm. what's left of the games, which ones they want, which ones they don't. And I mean that goes on. I don't even know how that really works. Right. But we get a schedule that that comes to us, and then um, you know I I send some notes back to my boss, uh, just basic. It's, it's, it's basically logistical stuff. It's kind of, you know, look, I can't be there because yeah, I'm going to yeah. be here two days before. And, um, and, and I'm locked in. I mean, from now until I think April 12th, I can tell you pretty much where I'm going to be every day. <laughs> right. Uh, you've done, uh, you've scored uh, 400 goals in the league, 40 goal seasons. You've done, gone to all-star games. Called all the games, called the World Junior Games. Um, where does this, um, where does this doing this podcast with me rank? Do you think on like career highlights? Where would you put uh, it? It ranks. <laughs> it's it's in the list. <laughs> yeah, like you said, I got to put a rank on it, right? Right. So, okay. Yeah, rate right. right between my fifth and sixth knee surgery. Ah, fantastic. And um, and rate right after um. Right, right after a root canal. Right before a root oh, canal. Oh, okay, fantastic, good. Yes, yeah. yeah. But root canals but are But still awesome. behind any of the trades from the Whalers and the Islanders, still behind all those things, right? Uh, for now. Okay. Right. I mean, you know, that stuff can be pushed down the list here. Right. We'll, we'll see what we got. Uh, if people like this thing, you can get it on iTunes. Subscribe to the show, Paul Pocky uh, show with Ray Ferraro. You can get it um, 
on the, the website, uh, Stitcher app on your phone, smartphone, get it on there. You can listen there. Uh, go to pulpocky.com. There's an Amazon link. If you click on the Amazon thing, make a purchase on Amazon. We get a small chunk of it, and I can afford to keep having Ray on the show because, uh, you know, he's huge. Oh, huge budget. Huge budget. And then uh, also to uh, Two Under, our buddy Jeff there, Two Under, uh, underwear, T, the number two, U-N-D-R, uh, Two Under. Use the code FERRARO20 to save uh, 20%. And uh, great great company, Project and Project Bags and Two Under underwear, Ray. I mean, this you use both things. Uh, I do. They're, they're actually, I mean, you know, obviously we're talking about it because, you know, Jeff's a buddy of ours, but the products are awesome. Uh, yeah that's all i got in my underwear drawer and i travel well over 100 days a year and i use, i use the project um uh, luggage and stuff and it's awesome yeah i love it fantastic and we thank the thank the project and two under for helping us out and making it happen um all right let's let's talk a little hockey a little bit uh, i want to talk a uh, hall of fame and uh some uh, things that the Toronto Maple Leafs did. And, again, I want to stress to people it's not going to be all Toronto Maple Leafs, but I do have to talk about them. And uh, I want to touch on Al, Bar- Al Arbor also, too. I know you did a lot of interviews uh, when your uh, coaches passed away. All-time great, second in all-time wins, Al Arbor. Um, but we'll start with um, start with the Maple Leafs. I guess the trade of Phil had to happen. I didn't like what they got back, but with a contract like that and coming off an year – where he didn't do very well. I guess that's what you're going to get. But God damn it, Ray. I'm going to all year long, Ray, uh, Phil is just going to pot goals left and right with Crosby and Malkin. And I'm going to be so bitter, so mad. But that's well, but here's, here's the thing is like, he wasn't going to do that in Toronto. I know. I know. That was never going to happen. I mean, you're, you know, so for the Leafs, you have to look at this, not just in the, not just in that one move. I mean, what they're trying to do in Toronto is is take a team that hasn't won a damn thing since 1967 and has been a a doormat for way too long. And then when it's not been a doormat, it's been a team that's been mediocre. Really, their last high point was was Doug Gilmore's great run. Ah, oh, that was good in, in 1993. Right. But but that's not that's not enough for them. So <laughs> right. Brendan Shanahan's the president. They they go through a stretch last year, and I did a lot of the games. And and Steve, I'm telling you, they were they were awful. Yeah, the Leafs were for about two and a half months. They were as bad a hockey team as there was in the NHL. There was nobody. <laughs> I mean, maybe Buffalo, right, maybe right, but it was that bad. And so what had happened, in in my opinion, is the the guys had just they'd lost hope, they'd lost faith. Uh, Kessel was just a shadow of what he should be. Now I think he's going to go to Pittsburgh and score forty goals. Oh, me too. I, I yeah. think he's going to have. I think he's going to have a, a really good year. He's down, apparently down about fifteen pounds for the first time in his career. He he really trained. You, if you remember back to last last training camp, he said, "Yeah, I skated ten or twelve times." <laughs> yeah, right. Like that's like a rec league player. <laughs> right, right. And so I I think he's I think he's sufficiently embarrassed, and I think he's motivated by the fact. Whether yeah, look, you're not going to get anything from him. It still looks like he's, you know, he's he's chewing cabbage when he does interviews. <laughs> he can't stand it. Uh, he hates he hates doing interviews. But he's a right. really good guy. He's a really he's always been really nice around when I've talked to him. I've really enjoyed talking to him. But he's he needs to not be the big the big guy the big yeah. dog. Yeah. And he's not going to be in Pittsburgh. 
So what they got back, they got a first-round pick in Kasperi Kapanen. Um, I don't know what he's going to be, but he's a, a highly touted prospect. He's the son of a Sammy Kapanen, who's yeah. a former NHL player, just a, a rock-hard player. Sammy had uh, wheels, too. Sammy had wheels. Oh, yeah. Oh. Kasperi's a different player. More handsy, you know, a little yeah, bit yeah. of a niftier player, a little bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a first-round pick. They got a depth player in Nick Spelling. Um, it's a, it's an, it was an okay return, but, the, but they traded seven years of the contract. Yeah, yeah. And so the Leafs, I mean, that was just the tipping point because then they anteed up 50 million bucks to get Mike Babcock. Then they, then they signed Lou Lamarillo as their general manager. And so for the first time in, in a little bit of time, those players are going to be uncomfortable in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I say that is a good thing. Those guys have no idea what's going to be demanded from them from, from Mike Babcock, and they're going to find out in a hurry. Yeah, people need to uh, – you have a little insight to Mike. Uh, your son Landon played, plays in the Detroit organization, played for Red Wings. So you know Mike a little bit. You know a little bit through Landon and through yourself on – what kind well, of coach I, he I is. played against Mike 35 years ago, oh, okay. 30 years ago in junior. <laughs> right. He's a way better coach than he was a player. <laughs> um, but he was a tough, hard-nosed guy. Um, Mike's demanding. He's direct. Right. He, is, um, he holds people accountable. Um, if he doesn't like what you're doing, he's going to tell you. And so I think a lot of these guys have not been able to handle that in the past, nor had that maybe on them on a consistent basis. But they're going to get an eye-opener because the one thing is I don't know anybody on that roster. I can't think of anyone on that roster that's going to outlast Mike Babcock there. <laughs> it's a good Babcock's point. got an eight-year deal. Yeah. yeah. He's not going anywhere. Do you... And so okay. I think this is a good thing for Toronto. I don't think they're going to have a very good year. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to have a better year than, than they did last year. Um, like more consistent, they won't go through that embarrassing stretch like they did, uh, at, you know, after the All Star break. But I, it's not. I mean, they're yeah, they're not even a stone's throw from the playoffs. They're a long ways away. You've 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 told me in our first podcast we did, which we, when we weren't we weren't buddies and partners back then like we are now, right? Uh, sure. You you told me that you you did not understand the hiring of the bottom up from the Leafs organization uh, where the, uh, the coach stays, but the assistants and general manager gets changed and, and nobody's on the same page and Shanahan is also there, but we've kind of done that. They did it again uh, with bringing Lou Lamarillo, which by the way, was about a 10 on a, uh, which about a hundred on a 10 scale of surprising. Um, They, you know, they hired Babcock first and then they put Lou in place but are you okay with that? As opposed, I mean, you, you know, you've gone on record uh, saying you're I am, not a fan of it. Steve, but. only because it's these guys. Right, right. Because it's Lou Lamorello and Mike Babcock. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you're not. A lot of times a general manager is, is fired. The coach is still there. The new guy comes in. He's kind of saddled with the coach. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if Lou has a three-year contract and he's plus 70 years old. Right. Right. Lou is there um, as a as a steward of the general manager position. Most people think that he's there to help uh, nurture along Kyle Dubas as potentially the next general manager. Dubas is right. kind of like this young whiz kid that had um, you know really been at the forefronts of analytics mm-hmm. um, 
uh, on the management side. He wasn't doing a bunch of the, you know, the, the nitty gritty research stuff that started, you know, quite some time ago, but he's, he's been kind of like the face of it. Well, but Lou's not there to just keep the chair warm. So what you have is you have a, a relatively inexperienced president in Brendan Shanahan, an inexperienced guy in Kyle Dubas, mm-hmm. and then you trump all of it with multi-experience of, right. of Lou Lamarillo. Now, I'm with you. That, that was 100 on the surprise scale. I, just, yeah. I didn't even think that was possible. But what I do think is now th- there is no room for anyone to wiggle around with their own agenda in Toronto anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's been times where the tail has wagged the dog there. I know, I know Randy Carlisle, the coach that was fired halfway through last year, took a lot of heat for the style of games they played. Right. See, I, I have, in retrospect, I look back and think, Randy looked at that team and said, look, <laughs> I'd like to play a puck possession game. I'd like to play a game where we control the puck a lot. Our guys can't or won't do it. Right. So I'm going to play to what we can do. And, yeah, we're going to give up a lot of shots, but we're going to score a whole bunch of goals. And mm-hmm. eventually they just kind of ran out of road on it. But I don't, I don't think, like some do, that Randy Carlisle is just not capable of coaching. I don't, I don't believe that for a second. Right. Um, we're talking about uh, Babcock a little bit. Now, you told me a story when we, we had met that you, you met Mike at the World Championships, and you didn't think he'd go to the Leafs. I didn't think he'd go to the Leafs. I didn't think he'd, he was a hot, you know. I mean, I guess they threw enough money at him that he went. But, um, you know, you, you're impressed with him. Like, when you just talk to him, you're, you're impressed with him. Oh, he's, you could talk to Mike about his shoes and there's a passion to his description of them, right? So he's, you talk to him and he's, you you know, you get pulled into the vortex, uh, like it's energy. He's, you know, he's a, he's, he's a really, I can't use this word enough with him. He's really direct. Right. And so I, when I spoke to him, you know, saw him over in, in Prague and, I didn't get the impression that Toronto was was going to be in the mix. You know, my thought was he was going to stay in in Detroit or go to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And and that's not what he said. That's just that in yeah. talking in general. That's kind of what I I kind of inferred from it. But fifty million dollars will change your idea in a whole <laughs> bunch of ways. Yeah. And so um, and so he left. But when when you when you speak to him, um, when those players get in a meeting with them what they're going to find is there's no frill to, to anything that he does. It's just in, here's the meeting, boom, it's over. It's energetic. It's direct. It is organized. There's structure to everything they do. The Leafs at times last year looked like 18 strangers on the ice playing a game. Mm-hmm. And they will not look like that this year. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, yeah. So like you said, like, well, what I'm worried about too is a little bit as a Leaf fan is I need him, I think we need him to bottom out again, but maybe Babs will be actually, you know, work magic where they'll just barely miss the playoffs. I don't well, I don't think they're going to be on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Um, I, I think that they, that, that his organization skills for the way that the team will play will make them, make them better mm-hmm. than they've, than maybe they, might be under a different coach. Right. Um, look, I don't think he's a miracle worker. I mean, I, that's that's not um, what I'm saying. But what I'm thinking is he can do he can do some things behind the bench that other guys can't. the 
the Leafs defensively last year were were just a mess. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean they. Yeah. I, I mean I guess, I guess if I'm to be fair, they were they were a team that was looked like they were on the bottom of the mm-hmm. uh, of the barrel. They were fourth from the bottom, and that's that's what they played like. And so if if you're you know if if you're thinking you know how how are those how are they going to be able to or, or where are they going to finish? I think they're probably going to cut. Mm, likely a third to a half of uh, um, mm-hmm. uh, of goals against. I think they're going to score as much as they did with Phil Kessel there, uh, mainly because they had that two-month stretch where they scored under two goals a game. Right. And they gave up 257 <laughs> goals last year. I'm, I'm just looking it up now. So there yeah. was, let's see, one, two, three. I mean, Phil only got 20. You know what I mean? Yeah, if there you look there, at there that were way. three teams that gave up more goals right. than Toronto last year. And so I'm thinking that they'll get down, they'll get into the 230 range of of yeah. goals against, mm-hmm. you know, 225, and and I think they'll score a bit more than they did last year. Um, you know, they were at two and a half goals a game. I think they get into the 27 range a bit mm-hmm. uh, because I I think Nazem Kadri will have have his best year. Um, you know, I think Lupul if he. I, I, Stays healthy somewhat is going to get near 20 goals. Yeah. Van Riemsdyk will be plus 25 goals. Um, you know, I think Fanoff will score more than he did. I think he only got three last year. So, I I'm with you. Uh, I think they're going to they're going to be they're going to miss the playoffs. Right, but be better than. But be better than you know being in the bottom four. I mean, so, it would it would be nice to get one of those picks again. I just don't think they're going to get there. So you think uh, Kadri. Bozak, I mean, that's the one centers, one, two centers, um, whatever order you want to put them in. They're going to buy in? Like, Kadri is, is finally going to figure this out? Well, the, here's the thing. They don't have a choice because <laughs> Kadri's on a one-year deal. Yeah. They'll be gone, huh? Well, that, that, this is the whole point of, of, of what Babcock can and will do, and with Lou Lamarillo, who is – you know, I mean, Lou's been as bare bones, straightforward as there has, as you could imagine, for 25 years. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to change. So here's th- this is exactly how I envision the conversation going with Kadri. This is what I expect from you. This is what I need from you. What do you think? He'll say whatever he's going to say. Right. And and Mike will say yes. And this is what I need. And this is what I expect. Now it's up to you. Right. And you're on a one-year deal. You have a chance to be our number one center. If he doesn't respond or if he doesn't accept that, then is he really a guy that you're, that you're going to want around for the long haul? The answer is no. Right, right. But I happen to think that there, he is – Kadri is so hungry to be the big dog mm-hmm. that, that he will respond to this. I, I believe he will. He's never had a 20 goal year. I think he'll go over 20 goals this year. Right. He'll 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 become their top center ahead of Bozak. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bozak was the top center because he played with Kessel. Right. Bozak's going to get pushed in a direction he's not going to like either. It or not well, yeah. when I say he's not going to like it, the, it's not going to be easy for him. The good times of flying up and down the ice with Phil and not caring all that much about the defensive end are Done. over. <laughs> Done. You watch Detroit Red Wings play. Yeah. You watch Pavel Datsuk play. You watch Henrik Zetterberg play. They could all, they could both have put up way more points 
had they played in a different system or style, mm-hmm. but they bought in because they knew that that was the best for right. for their team and for them in the long run. And as a result, I mean, the bat, you know, the Wings haven't missed the playoffs in 25 years, and you know, Mike Babcock hasn't missed the playoffs, you know, in a decade. Yeah, right. Um, you can see the the Leafs' philosophy here uh, with Kadri doing the one year deal, um, and also to PA Peronto, uh, Daniel Winnick's back. Uh, Sean Mathias, uh, a guy you saw last year in Vancouver a lot. Arco Bello, low-risk, one-year deals. I think Winnick got a two, maybe. Um, Winnick did get two, yeah. What did you like? Which do you like of those? Are are any of those guys, are they all trade bait? Are they going to stick? What do you like? You know what? I don't know that anybody's there for, you know, you can say is going to be there the long term. Uh, Mm -hmm. When they were signing those guys right after July 1st, Kyle Dubas said that, you know, for for a lot of players, this is going to be uh, an opportunity to increase your your stature and your value. You're going to get um, you're going to get attention because you're playing in Toronto, and then it's up to you. Mm-hmm. So if somebody works out and they want to sign them on a longer term, well, that'll that'll be as the player produces during the season. But I don't think there's any grand long term plan for for any of those guys. Uh-huh. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're not quality players like Sean Mathias yeah, do you like should him? be a, yeah. he should be a third line player you know he should be mm-hmm. I, his 18 goals last year to me is is a top out mm-hmm. you know like he's not going to exceed that um, they just brought in Curtis Glencross on a tryout I saw uh, that, pro yeah. tryout I think he's a good player still I think Curtis can play in a in a third line role still right but but or does that mean that they're they're there for the long term certainly not what it does do and I think this is important and and I would say you know this is probably one of the things that Babcock is you know has brought I won't say brought with him but maybe realized and understood with his time in Detroit is you know they drafted a whole pile of young players in Toronto they, you know they traded yeah. players for draft picks and part of Detroit's success is keeping those young players out of the NHL Right, 18, right. 19, 20, 21 years old. Keep them out. Yep. And the reason, there's a couple of reasons. One is physically most players just aren't ready to play. Secondarily, um, when you get those players into the NHL at, say, at 19, that means they play their entry-level contract. Everybody has the same term for mm-hmm. an entry-level, three years. So that means 19, 20, 21, they're finished. Now they're into their second contract at 22. And so you have to make a pretty significant financial decision on a 22 year old player well what happens if that guy doesn't make it to the nhl till he's 22 he plays two years in the american league his 20 and 21 year old years in the american league mm-hmm. at 22 now you're at 22 23 24 now you're making a big money decision at 25 right it makes a hell of a lot of sense financially and yeah you're right yeah the cap is the cap is the cap man it's not it's not you can't play around with it. There's mm-hmm. nowhere to go. There's no gray area. Mm-hmm. And the cap isn't what the NFL is, right? It's $71 billion. Yeah. The, the Canadian dollar really takes a hit out of the cap because the dollar is low right now, and a lot of, most of the NHL revenues, or a good chunk of them, come from Canada. So you can't, you can't blow your brains out on a bunch of 20-year-old players. You can't. Yeah. And that's what I think those veteran players do. Yeah, so no chance, uh, very little chance we see Marner or Nylander at all. 
Well, I think Nylander you'll see a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, yep. he's already over here. He's, right. he's you know, he's, he scored, I think, 14 goals in a half a year in the American League last year. Yeah, and, he, he did well. Yeah, he did really well. Yeah. Um, and so I think there'll be there'll be stretches of games where Nylander plays, and maybe, hey, he becomes a, a surprise and plays plays 50-plus games. That oh, would okay. be a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Marner, I don't think – I think Marner goes back to junior. I, I, just, I just don't see any – possible reason to keep right. him in Toronto. Right. Um, moving along here, um, and we'll definitely have more Leaf talk as we go on. I can't wait. Um, I bet you can. <laughs> uh, Vancouver Canucks. Uh, well, we'll touch on a lot of Canadian teams, um, but I look at Vancouver, and I got a couple of buddies who are, are Canuck fans, and they're, what is going on? What is Jim Benning doing? Uh, is it that bad? How was his summer? They got... You know, they got rid of Eddie Lack and Biesca and Bonino because uh, they finally gave up on Cassian. Sutter's back. Pr- Press came uh, from Montreal, but w- not a good summer. At least I don't no, think so. The Canucks are, I, I think they're going to be, you know, they're going to have to be all in to make the playoffs. I, I'm going to pick them when I do my rankings to be outside of the playoffs. Um, their best players are 33, 34, 35 years old. Yeah, they don't have enough young guys to carry the day, so they're kind of they're kind of halfway to nowhere. Yeah, they're like and the reason they're I, in the or reason they're I out. Right? That, yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason I say that is they they've still got a good portion of older guys, and those guys are good enough to keep you close to the playoffs, mm-hmm. but they're not good enough to get you in and to make a run. So last year they make the playoffs, they lose in six games to Calgary. Okay, you got three extra home gates at home, and that's the way it goes. Yeah, out you go. But you, they weren't even close. I mean, there were, there wasn't a chance they were going to win. Now everybody's a year older. How are they going to be better? Yeah. So yeah. They, they, to me, the Canucks' vision or the Canucks' approach has to be younger, faster, and as quickly as possible. So when you look at the Canucks at the trade deadline this year, they shouldn't look anything like they do now. I was very surprised that Mil. I mean, if, if look, I'm, I'm just a dude with the microphone, but um, I would have tried to go. I wouldn't have signed Miller, and maybe gone with my young goalies. You know, I would have. Well, I wouldn't have signed him last year. Yeah, yeah. prior to the year, but right. they did, and apparently they could have traded him this summer, but they decided to because they had Jakob Markstrom, a, a big six foot five Swedish kid that came in the yeah. Roberto Luongo deal from Florida. They they feel he's ready. They were going to lose somebody on waivers. They had to trade a goalie. Yep. So they chose Lack. Myself, I would have kept Lack and Markstrom um, because that, that would be part of my vision of going younger yeah. and, and turning the page. But they, they didn't cho- choose to do that. So you've got Miller with two years left. Radom Verbata is 35 years old. He's got one year left. Alex Burroughs, I think, is 33. He's got one year left. Chris Higgins is in that range. He's mm-hmm. got two years left. Um, I, Dan Hamhuis is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. I, he's a really good player, but in my um, in my world, he's probably one of those guys that can get you a bigger return. You got to move him at the deadline too. Yeah. So they they could be quite di- quite a bit different, like you said, by the time deadline. They better comes. be right, right. because they're not going to get. Right now, they're not going to be good enough to compete with the very best teams in the West. Mm-hmm. Was it time to give up on Cassian? Was it finally time? Uh, I believe so. Okay. I mean, they, you know, they, there's flashes of, oh man, this guy could be really good. Yeah. And then, then he goes away for three weeks <laughs> right. and you don't notice him. And then, right. you know, there's, 
you know, he, he's just not. He's he's struggled, I think, with the maturity of being a pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of I've heard a little bit of that too. So, I mean, you know, and you... so that's you know, so they they moved him out. I mean, they they brought in Brandon Prust. I'm not real sure what the what the thought is there. They've already got Derek Dorsett. So now they've got Prust and Dorsett. Mm-hmm. You know, two guys that are going to struggle a little bit to keep up with the pace of the game and they're going to be on the fourth line together. I mean, they're not going to get any offense out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on, uh, Oilers, uh, obviously Connor McDavid, and you don't understand how pissed I was when the Leafs lost that. They, they had a chance. They had a chance. Yeah, well, they had a chance. It's a lottery. It's a game of yeah, chance. But, you live in Vegas. But it was, they were so Go down, cl- spin the wheel, man. They, they, they had gotten to a point where they were like, one of the favorites near the end to get them. Like they had the more balls or something in there. Oh, God, I was pissed. But anyways, the last team I wanted to win was Edmonton. I think we can all speak for that, but they won. <laughs> they, uh, put it this way. For a lot of years, the Oilers have, been, have done things just about as ineptly <laughs> as possible. Right, right. And, and now... They keep getting rewarded. That now they're... I, I mean, for the first time, there's true enthusiasm in Edmonton. And I think that start. They've had... It would be hard to have had a better summer than the Oilers. Um, new general manager and Peter Shirelli, who came from Boston. Mm-hmm. New coach, Todd McClellan, who came from San Jose. A proven winning coach. Um, lottery win with Connor McDavid. Now, that's great. they got a lot of forwards, and their defense still makes you close your eyes. You don't want to watch it. Um, they signed Andre Sakara as a free agent yep. from Los Angeles. they got Cam Talbot from the Rangers to play goal. Right. Now, when Cam Talbot looks at that defense, he's not going to see Ryan McDonough and Mark Stahl and Dan Girardi and Kevin Klein <laughs> yeah, in front of him. Right. You know, so we'll, we'll find out. Is he a number one goalie? I don't know. I don't know how anybody would know. He well, had a great run when Henrik Lundqvist was hurt, but the goalies, or but the defense was much better. The team was much better. The Oilers, number one, I mean, all the focus is going to be on Connor McDavid, and, and I think he's just a. Just a marvelous player. If anyone gets a chance to watch him and you're anywhere nearby, watch him play. The kid's yeah. he's a phenomenal player. But the whole focus has to be about how do we keep the puck out of our net? Because if 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 they give up as many goals as they did last year, it doesn't matter what Connor McDavid does. Instead of losing like they did last year, they'll lose five four this year. Sure it'll be exciting, but you'll yeah. still lose. They got to find a way to keep the puck out of the net. Well, that was you took the my question was is Cam Talbert the answer? That was my question. So you took it out. We don't know. Um, I don't know how you can. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. it's like any young goalie you look at. They come in and are they a number one guy? You know, you you might think so, you might hope so, mm-hmm. but until you see, yeah, you don't know. I mean, was Tuka Rask going to be a number one goalie? It looked like it, but they had Tim Thomas and. Nobody was really sure, and then he, you know, he did well in the American League, and he did well in kind of spotty play, and then he played a little more, and finally Thomas, you know, wore out his welcome there. Right. And they and they gave Rask the ball. I think he played seventy three times last year. Yeah. And he's won a Stanley Cup. You know, so I, you know, he he did hit, but Robin Leonard was a number one draft pick in in Ottawa, big. You know, yeah. you know, imposing young guy. Yep. He just never got untracked in Ottawa. Now he's going to get the opportunity in Buffalo to be their number one guy. Is he going to be a number one guy? Again, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, and you know, uh, I'm looking at uh, Talbot. Martin Jones is getting the chance in San Jose. Sure. And uh, Bernier 
And Scrivens, two backups too quick. I think there's still juries out on them, right? Scrivens and, and Bernier kind of. Oh, sure. I mean, well, Scrivens, I think, is, you know, his top end is as a backup. Yeah. Bernier, you know, like many guys in Toronto, didn't have a very good year last year. Now, is he a number one guy? He says he wants to be, and he says he is, but he hasn't been able to consistently, you know, run with the ball. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll see with him. Now, Martin Jones, I, I know Martin. Um, he's from Vancouver where I live and, um, real good kid, really inexperienced. Yep. And, um, you know, San Jose is, you know, is is rolling the dice a little bit on, on Martin. Um, I happen to think he's good. I happen to think he's, he's going to be a guy that's, that's going to grow. Is he going to grow into a 55 game goalie? I, I don't know yet. Uh, getting back to the Oilers, don't you think that a lot of their success, I mean, McDavid's you know, he's going to be solid. We, we know that. And, and Taylor Hall's awesome. And Nugent Hopkins is solid. But, like, Yakupov and Dreisaitl, these are the guys that are maybe going to determine which way they go? Uh, not this year. No. Uh, you know, Yakupov's getting into a point here where you got to wonder if he's, you know, is, is he going to be a, a guy that can achieve what his potential says he might? Or is he going to be a guy with lots of flash and dash that just, you know, just, just can't score at the NHL level. You, you know, know, he's I, uh, small, oh, he's not particularly fast, mm-hmm. he's quick, but he's not fast. Um, and he, he likes to play a bit on the perimeter. So none of that tells me that he's going to score. But as for, you know, so, but again, he's got, for all these guys, they're going to have a new system and a new coach, and we'll, and we'll see. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, Yakupov's getting close to the time where the Oilers are out of road with him. You know, this might this is going to be his last year there, to, to prove that he can right. or can't score. As for Dreisaitl, I mean, he's going into really his first full year of pro. Mm-hmm. Um, his, his impact is going to be minimal to me. Um, they got to put him on the wing, right? Well, he'll be on the wing, I suspect. But in, in my world, he would be in the American League to start. Yeah, you do you, you the Detroit Red Wing. I, I, just, I right, believe right. it. I, I know they don't like it. The players hate it. Yeah. They can't stand it. But they've got a young defenseman, Darnell Nurse, um, as well, who's probably going to be close to making their team. Now, what is the downside if Nurse and Dreisaitl start in the American League? The only downside is to their wallet. It's to nothing else because they'll earn two-way money in the American League, which is you know, well, a tenth or less of their NHL salary. I mean, it's, it's a significant haircut yeah. pay-wise. Yeah, yeah. But it's playing against pros, playing against men, learning to live by yourself, because everybody that plays in junior, you live with another family. Yep. You're not living by yourself. Yeah. Yep. So there's nothing wrong with that. And it doesn't have to be for a year or two years. Start them there. Start them there for 30 games. Once they play 30 games, then get them up and see where they're at. They're kin- this is not a sprint. It's, it's a longer race, and you have to look at the bigger picture. Hold on, Ray. You only spent half a year in the AHL after you were drafted. Because I played for Hartford and I got lucky because, um, <laughs> first of all, I scored 20 goals in 37 games there. Yeah, so they were like, wait a minute, he's actually pretty so, good. So maybe, maybe we should give him a chance. Secondly, the Whalers were at a, at a – we hit at a transitional time. It was perfect for all of us young guys, um, myself and Dean Evason and Paul McDermott and um, Paul Lawless. and um, Terjean uh, yeah. was, was there. As, he was, a, I guess, a year younger than me. 
So we were all kind of coming along at the same time, mm-hmm. and the team was looking to transition at that time. So we got lucky. I'm just bugging you. But it was also different, too. It was. Because yeah, I was making twenty grand in the American League, and uh, I was making 70000 in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right like big deal yeah so it was a little different than it is now um well you know i have some connections to dallas eakins the old oiler thing through the training guy right um through my you bike. guys ride bikes together right yeah yeah we big bicycle buddies but um what i was gonna say was yakupov and eakins did not get along i guess and after um todd ted todd nelson right todd nelson, todd nelson yep yakupov's game improved and i guess he did not like Eakins. So maybe there's a hope there, you know? Sure. Sure. Um, There's, there's always where coaches and uh, players don't, don't mesh or, you know, again, I don't, you know, I don't want to kind of roll over the the same point again, but Yakupov shouldn't have been in the NHL at 18. Yeah. Yeah. He just shouldn't have been. So say he goes back to junior, which was his only option. Was he going to be so good that, it was going to hurt him. Right. I've right. never seen that happen. Yeah. Yet. Like, was he going to go back to junior and score two goals a game? Not likely. Nobody's ever done it. 102 for you, though, by the way. 108. Oh, I'm sorry. Who's Damn counting? It. Damn it. <laughs> but, I mean, so Mario Lemieux had 133 goals that year. Right. He didn't score two goals a game. Yeah, he was. He, yeah. Right? So, like, that 133 goals. He went on to an okay career. So if Yakupov would have stayed in junior and scored 50 or 60 or 70 goals, yeah, he would have had some lax habits defensively, mm-hmm. but he had them anyway. Right. It was not going to hurt him. What's the over-under on how many times I'm going to hear you this year on a podcast talk about guys being rushed too much? <laughs> uh, uh, I hope not many, but right. there'll be, but no, there'll I mean, be a few. If you were, this is, this is uh, in talking to you, this is the thing with you. Like, why, why are you guys doing this, all of you? You know, I, so. I don't get it right. because because the failure rate is way higher than yeah. the success rate. And like you said, there's no downside. There's nothing like what's what's the downside. There's the, not- the only way I would keep him or him being a younger player yeah, yeah. is if I was a pretty good team and they made me a better team. Mm-hmm. Because if I was a bad team and they made me a little bit better, I wouldn't want to waste the year towards unrestricted free yeah, agency. Yeah. I just wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, and like you said said earlier, besides the the mental problems or uh, adjustment problems for these young kids, as an organization, when it comes to salary cap management, it's also bad, you know? There is a longer picture to this than, than fans want to look at, mm-hmm. and it's different than other sports because of, you know, how firm the cap is. Right. You know, in football, yeah, they got a salary cap, but it's like $3 bazillion. Right. By the time they get their TV money, the you know it doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah. Right. So that yep. it's it's different for hockey. It's it's crucial to manage your young guys onto your cap. Uh, all right. A hockey Hall of Fame induction. Uh, Fedorov, Pronger, Lidstrom, all just locks, right? Without a not doubt. even not even a thought on any of them. Uh, and like, H- like not even a possible negative thought. Right, and Housley made it. I think this is his second or third year, maybe longer. Phil, right. Phil, Phil made it. What do you think of that? Are you okay with uh, that? Yeah, I yeah. am. Um, he was he good. Was a, he was an incredibly skilled player. When Phil came in, he was a forward and a defenseman. He played both. Mm-hmm. Scotty Bowman used him at center. Uh, just think of being good enough to play forward and defense in the NHL at 18 years old. Yeah, really, right? And you know, I, I. I 
I want to say Phil had close to 13 or 1400 points. Yep. Uh, just, uh, just an exquisite passer. Um, there's, there will always be the argument of, Oh, he didn't win, but winning should not be the tipping point to getting in or not getting in because there are a lot of guys that win Stanley cups. They're like accidental tourists. They're just in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. And there are guys that never win that just, weren't in the yeah, right place yeah. at the right what you, time. What are you going to do? It's 20, 20 guys, you know? I mean, it's not just yourself. Yeah, so um, I I mean, it's funny, you know, I, I do think Housley, when I saw his name up again, I was like, you know what, he's he's probably deserving. But next to the other three, yeah, yeah. you're like, holy smokes, those other guys were really good. Uh, <laughs> they were game changers, every one of them. Man, I, I, I mean, I guess Phil, Phil might have been hurt a little bit by bouncing around a lot at the end of his career. Remember, he was also Toronto Maple Leaf for a little bit. Right. Um... um but I was living in Winnipeg when Timu, you know, had the 76 goals. And I, there's no way he gets 76 without Phil and his passes. Phil coming out of the back and just tape to tape, you know, incredible. Yeah, pass. no, yeah. He, he was an incredible passer, a wonderful skater. Uh, and you're right. I mean, like a lot of players, you stick around a long time. Right. Um, towards the end of your career, you, you start to bounce around a little bit. And for a lot of people, that's, you know, I think by that, the time the yeah. guy comes up for voting for the Hall of Fame, that's all they really know about him is Absolutely. part of his career when he wasn't the Hall of Famer. Yeah, and I look at the media like that. You know, they make such a big deal about staying with the team. Uh, and I know the media guys don't all vote. I know that it's kind of a secrecy voting process on who's on the board or whatever. But to me, it's like, yeah, well, what the guy wants to play hockey, he loves to play hockey, he wants to make money. Like, who cares? If uh, you know, but if there was a time when he was among the best players in the game. Mm -hmm. He should be in. That's why, in my opinion, Eric Lindros should be in. Well, that's where I was getting to you. So you're a Lindros, you're a guy, a Lindros guy. 1.14 points per game, Hart Trophy, unstoppable in his prime. I don't know. I don't know any way that the Hall of Fame can keep him out. I don't get it. Is it is it is it politics with the family and Bobby Clark? Well, and yeah, but are they voting for Eric or are they voting for his mom and dad? Yeah. Uh. Okay, so he never put the jersey on at the draft. Bad move. Right. So what? Yeah. Had nothing to do. When he played center with John LeClaire and Michael Renberg, there was no stopping what was called the Legion of Doom. Yeah. That line dominated the league. Did I remember the playoff series when the Rangers played the Flyers. It would have been, well, the Rangers won the Cup in 94, so it might have been 95. Mm -hmm. And Lindros was too strong for Mark Messier. Right. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> I like mean, look at that. Because Messier was just a linebacker on skates for years. The kid played in the Canada Cup when he wasn't even in the league. Yeah. There's, this is, it's actually borderline ludicrous. Um, Peter Forsberg was voted into the Hall of Fame um, instantly. And I'm, yeah. A, yeah. I'm a huge Peter Forsberg fan. One of, I would say of the guys I played against, one of the guys I loved watching the most. Forsberg. Was, was, yeah. was Peter Forsberg. Yeah. But Forsberg's points per game and Lindros's points per game are almost identical. Mm -hmm. Lindros's career and Forsberg's career were shortened by injury. As, as was Neely, too, who got in, you know. Same and so thing. if Cam Neely's yep. in, yep. there's no way you can tell me that Eric Lindros shouldn't so be So is it political, do you think? It, it, there's nothing else it can be. Right, right. Yeah, it's just every, these old school guys pissed at the way he, he had I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not sitting in the room. Right. But if I was sitting in there... He'd have one vote for sure. Did you ever get run over by Eric? Um, I'm 
nothing that stands okay, over. All right, I'm sure yeah. he went over top of me like a speed bump a few times. Right, right, because he was amazing. Oh, man. Um, uh, where do you stand on uh, um, Mark Recchi, Dave Andrzejczyk? Andrzejczyk's 14th all-time in goals, by the way. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I've I've come around a little bit on Recchi, mm-hmm. um, but not Andrzejczyk. Okay. Um, Andrzejczyk, to me... Um, Played a lot of games, too. He, he was, played a lot yeah. of games, played a lot of years, scored a lot of goals. But I, I don't. to me, a Hall of Fame, this should be for the great, not for the good, mm-hmm. or for the really good. And and I think Recky's impact was greater on more teams than Andrew Chuck's was. Right. So you could see, you, you, you'd vote for Recky, or it'd be a good debate for you. It would be a good debate for me. Andrew right. Chuck, I'm, I'm on the no side right. of the fence. And Lindros, with, I think you, me, the guys I've read on, in, in the sports world, I don't, everyone is on Lindros. Everyone can't figure it out. I, don't, I just, yeah. I, as I said earlier, Steve, yeah. I just don't get it. Um, I mean, is his international success has to be factored in, and yeah. his NHL career, his heart trophy, yeah, yeah he's got to be in. What was his... Uh, I mean, I guess what's one thing that Lindros did that stood out for you? I mean, obviously, like you know, he's physical as all get out, especially early on. Oh, his but well, it would be his speed. His speed, okay. So he was fast, yeah. His his speed at that size, yeah. We had just never seen it before. Yeah. He would come through the middle of the ice, and you know, you you know, you, there was just no way you couldn't angle him off. You couldn't. He'd just go straight over top of you, and I think in the at the end of the day, that probably led to some of his some of his injury is that mm-hmm. for so long he had just gone straight over top of people. <laughs> he, he wasn't he wasn't yeah. exceptionally elusive. He would be like to compare it, he would be like a a punishing running back. Right. As opposed to a guy that slips and misses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh one guy I think should get more consideration that I don't hear too much about him is uh Makarov, Sergey Makarov. Um Won a Calder Trophy, you know, obviously play, only played 424 games in the league. Uh, but he was good, .191 points per game. And obviously a member of the Red Army with Krutov and Larionov. Uh, Larionov's in, Fatisov's in. And this guy, I watched the 87 Canada Cup uh, maybe a couple months ago because I'm pretty much a loser. I watched the DVDs of that thing. This guy was amazing in 87. I mean, gold medals and all that. Anything there? Or am I crazy? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, he would get in not on anything to do with his NHL. Yeah. You know, he won the Calder Cup, and I and they changed the rules right after it. <laughs> right. Because he was way too old. Well, to Calder win. Trophy. Calder Cup is NHL. Yeah, you're right. The Calder yeah. Trophy. He, he was way too way too old. Yeah. Uh, really, to be a rookie. But his international body of work is, like is incredible. Yeah. But I would say that the Hall of Fame looks at guys that played for the Red or for the Russians or Soviet Union at that time, as they were professionals playing against amateurs. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that I see. that yeah. hurts some of those guys. Um, you know, Tretiak got in, um, but Larionov came over here and played. Fetisov came over here and played. But were there, were there NHL careers Hall of Fame worthy in your eyes? Fatisov? Uh, not, on, not standalone, no. Yeah. Because so. you have to remember, when they came over here, they were much older. Right. But Larionov and Fetisov... Um, international credentials were yeah. would trump what Makarov had done. Um, Makarov was good, Ray. He was yeah. good. Uh, I'll tell you a, a quick story. We were yeah. we were playing in Calgary, and I was playing for the Islanders. We had this defenseman, pretty big, tough guy, and 
So he says to our goalie, if, uh, and I don't know this till later, he says, okay. if, if Razor loses the faceoff, Makarov's going down. <laughs> okay. And I lose the draw. I don't know. I just right. lose the draw. And I hear this, ah, and the defenseman had slashed him in the back of the legs. <laughs> and he was just, I don't even really know why he did it. Right. He was just kind of crumpled there. Didn't like the rush and didn't like, didn't like winning the draw. Not, yeah. right. I was turn it, around, I'm like, what happened there? Can, and everyone's kind of shrugging their shoulders. You can just say it was Rich Pilon. You can just say No, that. it was not. Oh, okay. All right. No. Um, hey, uh, Clark Gillies, 0. 0.73 points per game, 958 games played. Wendell Clark, 0.71 games Per, points per game. I think I can make a case for Wendell in the Hall of Fame. He was phenomenal. Remember that hit against Bruce Bell? Sure. Remember the fight with McSorley? Remember his wrist shot, Ray? Can we I get do. Can we get Wendell in the Hall of Fame? No. I don't think. Uh, I think Clark Gillies got in, and and Clarkie is a you know an an alumni in New York with the Islanders yeah. as I am, a uh, member of four straight Stanley Cups, but. Had he played for Colorado or St. Louis or somebody else, I, I don't think he would have got the recognition that he got playing alongside Abbasi and Trache. And and those aren't to me those aren't those aren't numbers that are Hall of Fame worthy. Wendell scored forty six one year, right? Mm-hmm, I got forty one. Yeah, you did, I guess. And I'm not a Hall of Famer. Hey, do you want to know something? Actually, when I was looking at these stats, you have the same points per game average as Wendell, point seven one. Yeah, he. <laughs> He could beat me up anytime. He probably still could beat me up anytime he wants. I could be biased, Ray, in saying that Wendell deserves the Hall of Fame. There could be a slight yeah, you are biased, biased but his coming down the wing and his wrist shot and the way he but it's, but he didn't play long enough and he didn't play effectively <sighs> long enough. Seven hundred ninety-three games played. Yeah, just not enough. <sighs> Damn it, Ray! Poor Bruce Bell, probably still just waking up. Yeah, that was that was a big one. <laughs> uh, hey, before we wrap here on the uh, Paul Pocky Show, uh, two under, use the code Ferraro20 to uh, save at two under, number two, UNDR.com. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Subscribe to it on iTunes. Just, uh, get it on Stitcher app. And, uh, Ray, I can't believe that uh, TSN's even going to let you do this podcast. That's awesome. But um, at least they don't even know yet, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Nah, it'll be good. These, these things I don't know. <laughs> hey, um, you're, you're one of your – Al Arbor passed away, second all-time behind Scotty Bowman in coaching wins, four Stanley Cups, 19 straight playoff series wins, uh, a guy that was maybe not given his due. And I listened to a couple of your interviews talking about Al Arbor, and um, I was surprised, Ray, that you talked to him – you said about, Ray, uh, about Al that he was a bit of a father figure to you and he was an amazing person and this and that, and I get that. What's amazing to me is you weren't a kid when you went to the Islanders. You were six seasons in. Like, you'd already kind of had played through a bunch of coaches uh, at, in Hartford. So, to me, like, six seasons in, you meet this guy, Al Arbor, and he had this effect on you. I'm, I'm, imp- I'm impressed that Al could reach you the way he did, the way you spoke about. Uh, you know, you're already six seasons in. Yeah, you know, he was – you hear this term a lot, I guess, but he really was a great man. Like, like Al was, um, he was different. He was, you met him and you, there was, there was an honesty that came from Al that you, you kind of, or I sensed right away. There was a, mm-hmm. um, I like straightforward people. Al was that. Um, I think I'm that, you know, we kind of meshed a little bit like that. He had no trouble 
uh, kicking me in the ass when I wasn't playing well. But he had no problem skating by and tapping me on the pads when I was when I was doing okay. But mm-hmm. the, the one thing about Al was that he knew that when I when I and others were playing well, that was the time he was hardest on us because he wanted to keep us sharp. He knew that kicking us hard when we were down or being hard on us when we were playing poorly, all that does is erode self-confidence. Mm-hmm. And Al would build you back up. Um, my dad passed away when I was in New York, and um, uh, you know my dad was, you know, I, I was extremely close to him, and I just, I just felt that Al really understood yeah. uh, what I was going through, and um, and he was able to, you know, he just, he was more than a coach to to a lot of us. And what's what's really cool is when you read people talk about Al Arbor. Mm-hmm. The guys from the Stanley Cup teams in 1979, they were saying the same things as we did in 1993. Right. You know, he didn't change. He was the same. He was dedicated to his, to his craft. He loved the game. He, you know, for years he was basically a one-man band in New York. There was mm-hmm. no scouting and tape <laughs> analysis. And, yeah. you know, there's stories. His wife used to help him break down tapes. Claire, just a great lady. Yeah. And so when we got the news last year that Al was, was quite sick, uh, a bunch of guys started to go down to Florida uh, and visit with Al and Claire. And, you know, Al was in a state that he didn't, you know, didn't quite acknowledge everything that was going on, mm-hmm. which was pretty sad to see. Um, but we all wanted to go um, so Claire knew what, what Al meant to us. That's really nice, yeah. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. You went down there. Florida. Yeah, we went down, and there were six of us that time. There was various people going, you know, at, at right. different intervals whenever their schedules would allow. And um, uh, there'll be a memorial service, I guess, in in New York um, in the next month or so, where um, a lot of us are are going to get back to New York and and visit and tell stories about Al and right. uh, you know and and say thanks to Claire again. I uh, I read a book um, uh, a couple of years ago. It wasn't like a, sort of an oral history of the New York Islanders, and it ended. Mm, I think they're lost to Edmonton. Uh, you know when they're going for five, uh, yeah. but it ended there. And it was uh, it didn't have Al in the book, but it it was a phenomenal uh, read. I forget the author's name now. I apologize, but um, it the book came across like Al was a great guy, and he would go as far as getting involved in players' personal lives and helping them out that way, and. And shielding them from the media at times when they had issues. Well, and, and the th- you know why Al never got much attention though is yeah. because he never talked about himself. Right. He, yeah, he never. He was, yeah, yeah. He was a terrible self promoter, <laughs> and so all he did was coach fifteen hundred games for the New York Islanders. Yeah, yeah, he got he that won one. four Stanley Cups. They brought him um, back for one game, right? Like, yes, yeah. they brought him back. Uh, Ted Nolan was the coach at the time, and mm-hmm. uh, Ted said that he, he kept looking up at the roof and. Where the banner was hanging, it said fourteen ninety nine, and one day it just occurred to him that that was wrong, and they they set in motion a plan to get Al back behind the bench for one more game, and um, so he so they right. could round the number to fifteen, just the way it should be. Yeah, when you were playing for him, and like you said, he, he you know when you were going good is when he got on hard on you, and when things weren't going good, he 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 did that. He was uh, sympathetic and, and you know trying to help you guys yeah. out. Was he a guy that? I guess he wasn't a guy that talked a lot about the glory days, right? And the four cups and you guys are, oh, never. you guys are pussies or whatever, like nothing, none of that. Never, never heard anything about it. Right. Uh, like Al was about the moment. Mm-hmm. Like when he coached, it was about the moment right now. This is what we can control. 
We beat Washington in the first round in 1993, and Dale Hunter knocked Pierre Turgeon yeah, out, <laughs> out of the playoff virtually uh, with a really dirty hit how, at how the many, end of game six. How many games would that be nowadays? Well, I don't know. He got 20 then. I know. <laughs> you know, so um, so now we're getting ready to play Pittsburgh. We're already undermanned anyway, and yep. now we don't have Pierre, who's our best player, and Al didn't mention Pierre once. There's no point in mentioning him. Pierre right. wasn't going to be able to play. There was no he knew, we, yeah. he knew that we knew we were going to miss him a great deal. Right. Al started talking about how we were going to beat the Penguins. And he coached the now. And we were able to beat them in probably as big an upset as you can imagine. Yeah, David Volick. Didn't you assist on that? Yes, I did. Uh, oh, Ray, I remember that. Yeah. You, you remember David Volick. I remember the past. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, David Volick scoring that goal was sort of like Klima scoring the overtime winner uh, in, against Boston, where he like didn't really play all that much and then just jumped yeah, on. Yeah, the, the only difference was we were in overtime of Game 7, and how we were in that series was amazing anyway. And for us to knock the two-time defending champs out was Oh, it was, it was I, just astounding. I remember. Was I mean, did Al have a game plan? Did he put something in place that series? Like the whole series? Yeah. Okay. We played, you know, we played a, a young group of guys: Brad Delgarno, Travis Green, and Marty McGinnis played as much as they could against Lemieux. Okay. Uh, Darius Kasparaitis was an absolute menace, and uh, you know, Al Al had him up against Yager and Lemieux as much as possible, and they were, you know, he was physical with both of them. They didn't like it. Um, we got better goaltending from Glenn Healy than they got from Tom Barrasso. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a pretty amazing series. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big deal back then. No doubt. Uh, well, yeah, it's, uh, like you said, Al almost should be a, should have been a better self promoter because he's second all time in wins and, and 19 yeah. playoff series, 19 playoff series. Just yeah. Well, the, that'll, that's a record that will never be touched. I can't see how, right? Yeah. It's, it's uh, not yeah. even close. That will never be approached. Yeah. And uh, and reading this book too on them, just the things that they went through to win every year, and and against the Rangers, they were up against the ropes against the Penguins, up against the ropes against the Rangers, and Al just got these guys through. So, uh, breaking news while we were doing this uh, Twitter, the Leafs invited Brad Boys on a PTO. Brad oh, Boys, yeah, there's another one. I don't know if that's breaking news, but to you it is, <laughs> and it is for Brad. <laughs> it is from Brad and me and Maple Leaf fans because Brad once scored. Did he not score forty? Scored thirty. Right. What if he gets his 43-goal touchback, Ray? What if he, he's number one center now? If Brad Boys gets 43 goals this year, I will fly to Vegas and take you out wherever you need to go. Oh, great. We can go and hang out at the – yeah. Oh, by the way, I tried uh, Harbor, Harbor 60 in Toronto on your recommendation. And? Very good. Yeah, very good. Although I was going to the Blue Jay game after, yeah. they did not – they frowned on my Blue Jay hat. In the dining room, they said. Yeah, they probably would have. Yeah, I didn't realize that. You part. told me you wanted to go to somewhere nice. Yeah, I know, I did. It was well, nice. You didn't wear a hat in there. Well, I was going to Blue Jay game after. Well, put it on your lap, wear no. it out. Yeah, I know, I had to. I had to take it off, and then my wife was yelling at me for my hat. Air. I guess you see my Red Sox two out of three from the Jays this weekend. I don't really want to talk about it. Uh, there you go. Well, the Hutchison, I, you knew, you knew on Hutchison on the road that was coming. How about Kelly? What a look for the Red Sox. Uh, hey, the human uh, delay, rain delay. Oh, That's, uh, Yeah, it's the delay until he kept sitting them down. Yeah. No, I didn't sit look. down, sit down, sit down. No, hey, I thought he was getting – I thought he was not going to make it through four. I'm like, there's no I way know. he even makes he it through four. He was all over the place. Oh, no, he was. And then, like, I poor Hutch, you know, like the, the two outs, 
looking good, you know, home run to bets, and then uh, uh, Ortiz, you're like, you just g- grease that, that one. That may have been his last start. It might have been, yeah. Well, Ray, thank you for doing this. Uh, appreciate it. We're going to do it weekly. I don't know what day. We're going to try to, you know, Wednesday, Thursday-ish all year. You're going to yeah, be on we'll, the road we'll a lot. We'll so We'll figure it out. Um, how did I do in, my, in our first podcast? How did I do? Yeah, better than the root canal. Besides the Wendell to the Hall of Fame talk, it was solid, Yeah, I right? mean, other than that, you know, I right. mean, that was just that, you know. I, I get your I get your fandom, but I can't I can't get on board. Oh, McSorley, Dex Gilmore, and Wendell just drops him. Come on, tell me you weren't, you know, behind that then. I uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> All right, Ray Ferraro, everybody, TSN. Uh, find them uh, on between the benches real soon. I guess what you doing preseason, right? Soon. Yep, get going September 21st, uh, Toronto at Ottawa is my first game. There we go. And uh, you'll be doing some stuff for NBC Sports at some point? Yep, I got uh, at least six games, and then however the schedule works out after that. And uh, we appreciate everybody checking it out, listening to Ray's thoughts weekly here on the show, and uh, hopefully this is the first of many. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate it. You betcha. Thanks, Steve. See ya.